Welcome back to another week of the Perinatal Podcast. This is Meg Duke, and I am so delighted you are here. This week, Dr. Ross Marin, the founder of the Center for Anxiety and a Harvard associate professor, draws on research and clinical expertise to show readers how to, quote, make anxiety your friend, and in this episode, discusses how to apply that in the perinatal space. Often those who suffer from anxiety either exhaust themselves trying to cure it or resign themselves to a lifetime of fear and worry, but Dr. Ross Marin presents a third way. Instead of fighting anxiety, what if people could turn it into a strength? It was such a pleasure to have him on my show this week. I'm so excited to share this with you. Welcome back to another week of the Perinatal Podcast. The Perinatal Podcast is supported by Muse. Muse is a brain-sensing headband that uses real-time biofeedback, much like a heart rate monitor senses your heartbeat. It then uses this information to train your mind to meditate better, be more focused, and have more restful sleep by translating your brain activity into the guided sounds of weather. When your mind is calm and settled, you hear peaceful weather. Busy mind, you hear stormy weather to cue you back to focus. Afterward, I can see post-session reports in the app and get feedback on how in the zone I was during my meditation. Now I can see myself improve over time, which encourages me to continue meditating. Muse is backed by research from Yale, Harvard, MIT, and NASA. Muse S is one of my favorite tech pieces to use in calming my mind. This means I'm able to have better focus, stay more present in the moment, and be more engaged with life without feeling overwhelmed. If you're interested in trying it for yourself, you can get my 20% off discount at choosemuse.com slash amplifywellness or use promo code amplifywellness at checkout. Your mental health is your dopest self, but you don't have to tend to it by yourself. Get a tribe, get inspired, and you'll get ahead. Get someone to talk to, don't keep it bottled in. You're beautifully human, you should remember this. So it's okay for you to feel emotions. At times we all need to clear our heads. And when you do, just holler at therapy by Meg. Hello, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks, glad to be here. Yes, so I wanted to get, I always like to ask people kind of how they got into the field that they're in. Um, so what was it that got you interested in psychology? Well, that's always a loaded question in the health, in the field of mental health, isn't it? it always, uh, people always say that every single time. Well, that's a lot. I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> that too. You know, I definitely have had my own anxiety, which is one of the reasons I wrote a book on the subject. And also one of the reasons I have my perspective that this is a normal emotion that all of us have. How many people have you met who've never had anxiety, right? Zero. Zero. So, you know, I think we're all in it together. And that's one piece of it. Another piece is that when you look at anxiety within mental health, it's the kind of thing that we have a lot of evidence-based strategies to deal with. But I think a lot of that messaging is not really hitting the mark because of the way it's explained to people is very clinical. It's very yes, um, academic. And I think that there are some sort of nuance for how that message gets across that can actually make a big difference. And yeah, that's the reason I sort of got into this last stage of my career anyway, with regards to writing my new book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but. Uh, yes. Well, I just, I love that. I was just having a meeting with some social workers who work for infant toddler services in my County. And we were just talking about like normalization, like how even, even other providers in their department are nervous about asking people about anxiety, depression, stress, adjustment, you know, occupational therapists, physical therapists, dietitians are nervous because there's such a stigma behind it. And so we feel like when we are feeling anxious about something, 
we're doing something wrong. And so it's just so great. The more people that can be like, no, we all, we're all doing it. Hi. For the better. Yeah. I mean, let's get real with it. And, you know, I think that that's part of the issue is that our, our the medical establishment certainly has done this. And I think psychology is also guilty of it to some degree mm -hmm. of pathologizing normal states of anxiety. I mean, how many kids have anxiety? How many adults have anxiety, especially, you know, when people are going through life changes, mm -hmm. you know, which I know this uh, podcast tends to focus on certain very anxiety provoking, massive life changes. Anxiety yes. is going to follow you into those situations. If you have a you know pre-existing higher levels of anxiety, of course that's going to happen even more. And it yeah. doesn't mean that something's broken or wrong or, or that you're doing something wrong or that you know. I, I think we have this standard that we're also always supposed to be happy and have peace and equanimity all the time, and it's just not realistic. So that's really part of my perspective on it. Yes, well, on that too, right? It's like if I'm not doing backflips gleefully, then right. something's wrong. And you know, sometimes being okay really is okay. And I don't know if we sell that message very much these days. <laughs> yeah. I think we saw the opposite message that people need to rise always to the occasion with, like you said, with glee. Um, and yeah. uh, it's not a realistic uh, set of standards. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even in that regard of like rest is productive, we're trying to get people on the rest movement, but if we're not constantly achieving constantly, what's next, what's next, what's next, and that causes people anxiety. Like, hey, I'm feeling really good in this role in as a parent in my career, whatever it might be, I'm doing something wrong. What's next? What's next? And it's like, sometimes it's okay to just be where you are. It is the, that's totally correct. I think, you know, it boils down to control. We have this cultural need to always be in control, to always know exactly what we're doing next and to be part of that perfectionism that we've been speaking about, having to do things perfectly and look perfect all the time, yes. um, is, is, is this need to always be in control. Anxiety cuts to the core of that mm -hmm. in a big way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I took this training from someone called Karen Kleiman. She's kind of the the godmother of postpartum depression. I think she coined the term or is at least part of the team who is familiar with it. And she wrote a book called Dropping the Baby um, and Other Scary Thoughts. And she talks about like anxiety and parenting and how some of it can be good. And of course, some of it can be counterproductive and maladaptive. And one of the examples she uses is stairs. So if you are recognizing anxiety, holding your baby on the stairs, that's a good thing. You wanna be a little more attentive to what mm -hmm. you're doing when you have a child in your arms versus when it was just you sat, you know, carting yourself around. The problem then becomes, it becomes maladaptive when you won't go on the stairs because you're holding your child. And it's, uh, I've had that conversation with a lot of new parents, even that specifically of like, wrecking, like I'm, anxi I'm anxious. That means I'm doing something wrong. I'm anxious. That means it's bad. And it's like, well, some of that can be good. Some of that is your body saying like, Hey, who, Hey, what's going on? Let's <laughs> Okay, so I 100% agree with everything you you said. Yeah. Um, I'll add something though. That pathological anxiety that you were mentioning, somebody who yeah. won't go on the stairs at all. Yeah. That I believe that anxiety, even at high levels, is sure. still an opportunity for the person to grow and enhance their relationships. And that's yeah. where my approach really comes in. Mm -hmm. There's so many more people today experiencing those high levels of anxiety, mm -hmm. the anxiety that does get in the way of our productivity, of our thinking of our, you know, anxiety that really we shouldn't have, so to speak. Yes. I believe in those cases, still, there is a great opportunity that people have 
to develop themselves, to become more emotionally aware, more emotionally resilient, more connected with other people, and really to, to put themselves um, forward, to move themselves forward um, yeah. in their lives. Anxiety is such a bad rap. Um, and, you know, we're very quick to even say, like, oh, that's too much anxiety. Or that's, that's too much, you know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I buy it anymore. I think that no matter how much anxiety we have, and we're all on that spectrum from low, medium or high, mm -hmm. we can still use it in a positive way. Yes. If we have the skills. Yeah. Well, you recently posted on Instagram. I loved it. Anxiety is a signal, not a setback. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Yes. <laughs> like, how do you like? I'm oh, sorry, what are you saying? Yeah, I said that's definitely the case. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm just curious, like, how can you, like, that's a really great little mantra. How do you help people kind of unpack that and conceptualize? Like, what does that mean? And how can we recognize it in our lives? Okay. So often people feel anxious when they're feeling disconnected from other people, mm -hmm. when they've been avoiding their emotions for a while, when they're creeping up on them and they're sort of not, you know, haven't been thinking about themselves. Mm -hmm. And also when people have sort of stagnant in their life journey and they're not really moving ahead, you know, all of these sort of larger than life issues can be a context for people to have a higher levels of anxiety. And in that regard, anxiety is actually like a, hello, time to get more in touch with yourself, time yes. to reach out to others, yes. time, to, time to move on in your, you know, proverbial path, whatever that might be. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that it's a whole series of signals that we can choose to attend to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just it's so interesting. Uh, this is this is like the whole spectrum of emotion and the ways that we're taught and the external messages we hear about how we're supposed to be feeling and trying to figure out like any sort of emotion, kind of what we we're talking about earlier, any sort of emotion that's not happy, joyful is bad. And being able to sit with kind of the tension of no, this is a good thing because it's going to help you to reevaluate, maybe being more, I use the word intentional it's great. times a day. Love and that. so it helps you to be like, we've kind of been coasting. Let's be more intentional about focusing on whatever the, the task at hand or the next change might be. Correct. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about your primary audience here, you know, in the perinatal period and people going through that. Let's be real. It's terrifying. Oh, gosh. You know, and I say that as a guy. So <laughs> granted, uh, <laughs> like, I don't yeah. fully get it. Okay. Noted. <laughs> but, you know, I do have six kids. So I've been there to some degree along the way. Sure. And it's terrifying. It's just mm -hmm. so scary. Like, what's going to be all the medical appointments, all the checkups, all the uncertainty, all the lack of control. And then like, you know, it, it just gets worse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and it does, you know, it's like, as you think about like, you've got this newborn and it's terrifying because you're kind of so, to some degree afraid of breaking them and which news, like spoiler alert, you can't really break your children. It's okay. But Hard like, to, that conversation right? with people a lot too. <laughs> and then they start moving and then that's a new level of terror. And then it, even when you get into like the teen, do you mind me asking kind of what age ranges your kids are Mine? in? Yeah. yeah, my oldest is 20, which is uh -huh. kind of a trip. And my youngest is eight and they're all yeah. between. Right. And so like at eight, that's a new thing. And 20 is a new thing. And oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so many things. And, you know, my sense 
you know, one of the things that having kids, um, I think, brings to the fore is that if you really want to achieve something big, and let's talk about that, like having kids is enormous. It's mm. it's a huge, just strive forward for all of the humankind, like the entire human race is literally advancing, but more so it's emotionally, physically, spiritually, a just incredible experience that moves people forward mm -hmm. um, and can be move people forward. And the fact that anxiety is going to be part of that, I don't think is a coincidence. I think, you know, anybody who's moving themselves ahead in mm -hmm. life uh, in a big way towards a um, realizing, you know, a, a figment of an imagination, a dream and making that, you know, into reality, they're going to face some struggles along the way. Anxiety mm -hmm. is going to be part of that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I think it comes back to those external voices that we talk about again with the, the expectation that we just figure it out. Or like a lot of times parents get a lot of anxiety with like connection with a baby because you have this child, especially for birthers living inside you. And then here, here they come and you may not feel this immediate connection. Or even if you feel the connection, you don't immediately know what to do. It's not a natural instinct of like, Oh, this is when the baby needs burped, and this is when the baby needs change, and this cry right. means that, and that cry means that. And feeling people, I've recognized a lot of my clients kind of feel like failure, lowercase, uppercase F, failure in some sort of way because they don't have those natural instincts, which then produces more anxiety. 100%. So, some level of anxiety, apprehension, uncertainty, struggle is going to happen. But what really makes it worse is when we see that and we see our struggles as a failure. Yes. That layer of judgment on top mm -hmm. is what really sends people down into the abyss. And mm. I think that's happening more and more today um, with uh, everything shiny and wonderful on social media. And also where people are a little bit more disconnected from actually achieving big things in their world, in their, in their life. So now like you're doing it, you're there, you know, pregnant having a baby like raising a kid and yeah it's a big deal so it's gonna it's gonna be unmooring at times it's a foreign feeling it's like mm -hmm. i think it used to be something in the last century certainly people used to have all the time like oh i'm building a business i'm you know getting a degree i don't you know first person in my family to do that like it's all this sorts of new stuff i think today we have a lot less of that and we're not used to these uh struggles mm -hmm. um as much as we used to be Mm. No, that's very true. That is ab absolutely, I get that as well. And we talk about that. I'll say it at the end of my podcast, anybody who's listened knows that that's how I end, but I say, be curious, not judgmental, which I got from Ted Lasso. And I really do encourage people. I say it all the time. Like if you are recognizing any sort of thought of feel or feeling, get curious, sit with it, ask yourself questions. Instead of saying I'm a failure because, or I'm doing it wrong, that judgment piece. I mean, we're only, we're, we're struggling twice then when we've already got the negative situation happening and then we judge ourselves on top of it how difficult that is and instead being able to ask those questions or reach out like you mentioned too with the kind of feeling isolated finding people that you can talk to or or get some support from yeah love it totally agree yeah which of course again that goes into a whole other tangent that we may or may not get down at some point but like this proverbial village like it takes a village to raise a child but we're so physically emotionally separated from people these days we don't live multi-generationally anymore yeah. um we move for jobs etc and so how we we talk about it takes a village and 
sign me up. Where's the village? I'd be happy. Right. To Most people don't have, it's a rare thing for people to have, you know, um, aside from like very specific, unique cultural enclaves without, within the United States, it's uh, it's a rarity and becoming in increasingly rare uh, where people moving to big cities, people moving away, like you said, job mobility um, for a variety of reasons um, has people raising children essentially in isolation, mm -hmm. um, which is all the more important, all the more challenging. Um, there are online communities, like there are ways to remediate that to some degree, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. And I think because of that, we have to be even more um, permissive, not permissive, more um, compassionate, more compassionate. Mm -hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. More compassionate towards ourselves and understanding that this is going to be a ride. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not something that is, there are certain things that certainly feel innate to different various levels, but that it's not always intuitive. It's not, you know, maternal instinct. It's that. Oh God, no. I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe like after, like for a veteran, you know, mom or dad, after like 20, 30 years, you have a couple of moments here and there, but like, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case for anyone accomplishing, you know, um, big things. Like if you look at, um, if you look at marathon runners, like professional sure. marathon runners, like two mm -hmm. hour, two fifteen, two, you know, two thirty. Oh, hold on, wait, you muted yourself. <laughs> oh, that's not good, see? Uh, see, I've been on like 50 podcasts and I still hit the mute button. So anyhow, um, so uh, you look at professional people doing all sorts of incredible things, athletes. You know, if you really talk to them and I have in private practice and elsewhere, elsewhere they're, they're like, yeah, I feel like a total failure. I couldn't believe that that happened. It was just luck, the other things. And, and like, there's so much more there's so much more uh, chance. The truth is they're wrong. They're wrong in many cases. Like they're, they, it was just a great day on the court or like yeah. they just, you know, the weather just picked up that day or they had a, they had a second wind or whatever it was. Right. Um, or they nutrition just happened to be, they happened to be well rested. And like, there are so many of these idiosyncratic factors that will shape our experience day to day. Um, and I think we're very focused on achievement as opposed to the process. Mm. Um, which is messy. Yes. That I, I really, that's interesting. Focus on achievement instead of the process, right? And we're thinking about like, if I do this for my six month old, then they'll walk faster, then they'll talk sooner, then they'll get into the better grade school, then they'll, right? And it's like, we've catastrophized to them failing out of college because they're not walking at 12 months. And, right. and that anxiety that we place upon ourselves or our partners even, because I have clients yeah. who talk about, you know, oh, I saw on TikTok this kid's walking at this and why isn't ours walking? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> One day at a time, every baby is different, every situation is different. And like you're saying, with even with marathon runners, you slept weird last night, or your Gatorade was the wrong was yeah, whatever it may be. For sure, for sure, for sure. Pick the wrong thing and just happens. The shoes like didn't end up showing up for the way they were. Yeah. I mean, like there, there's so many things that can come out of the blue. And I think that's the case again, whenever you're doing a big deal, like whenever, whenever you're involved in, in a big project, having kids is a big project, by the way. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. whenever you're involved in that, things are going to, you know, the wheels are going to come off at some point. It's right. going to be a mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad uh, thing. 
how do you help people in those situations, like in your practice with the anxiety center, just kind of generally and in, in your book, we'll definitely get to, to more about that as, as well. But like, how do we help people kind of take things a step at a time, take, take a step back, non-judgmentally ask the questions, not catastrophizing with the anxiety, using it as a signal, but kind of staying in the here and now it's really easy to kind of spiral. It is. It's totally easy to spiral. I think what gets us there more than anything is when we haven't done level setting. And mm. that level, the level setting is that it's it's not always going to look good all the time. We're not always going to feel good all the time. It's going to be a struggle. And if, especially if you're achieving something big, it's going to be tough. There are going to be really challenging moments, days, weeks, months, who knows? And having anxiety, struggling with it. You know, I think one of the things for parents especially is when their kids start to feel anxious, they're like, yes. I'm a failure of a mom. I'm oh, a gosh, yes. dad. Yes. I, like, what's wrong? Like, I've I've let down my my kid. I've let down the world. And it, no, like, N-O, no, that is not true. Uh, we have to level set that, like, people are going to feel anxious, uncomfortable, have tantrums sometimes. Like, this is part and parcel of being human. There are ugly, challenging moments that we mm -hmm. go through. Um, once we can accept that, it is, and once we understand that, just once we like, oh, right, duh, like, you know, I think that's huge in terms of getting us to a place of less aggravation and less yeah. anxiety about our anxiety. Yes, anxiety about our anxiety. Well, that's very true as well. And yeah, that's, I, I was reading something, I think it was on Instagram, and it was like, how do you help a child with anxiety? It's like, help their parent to feel less anxious. And I love that. Well, what happens often is the parent feels, sorry, the kid starts to feel a little anxious. Why? Uh, well, because they're human and they're a kid and they're out of control and that's, they don't know what's going to happen next and it's uncertain and life is challenging. So that's what it is. The parent looks at the child and says, like, you're anxious. So now the kid learns, oh no, when I feel this way, something's wrong. Yes. yes. That literally dumps more adrenaline into their system. Yes. They have actually created a cascade of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Now the parent sees the kid even more anxious and goes, oh no. So they're ping-ponging off of each other. And this is like every house in America. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And I, I love I love that visualization to the ping-ponging. Like if if you react instead of respond to that and they see you reacting, then they realize there's something wrong. And then they might even and then internalize it. Like, well, if I can't tell my parents that I'm anxious about this because yes. they try to hide it. Yes. They try to hide it. Then they try to stuff it away. Then they don't want to feel it. And we know from clinical science that just makes it worse. That only makes the anxiety build. Mm -hmm. The anxiety keeps building and building and they want to hide it even more. And then they try to show it. And then the parents freak out. Yes. They're not used to seeing it. I'm like, oh no, yeah. this is like the story across the board. And it's unfortunately a narrative that is not working out in our country's favor. Yeah. Yeah. What do you encourage people to do in those moments, kind of working through the discomfort, recognizing, okay, I'm anxious. What does that anxiety training protocol kind of look like of Perfect. getting through? <laughs> Number one is going to, it really is going to be acceptance. Again, as I've been saying until now. Uh, ad nauseum, perhaps, that we need to accept we are going to feel anxious, our kids are going to feel anxious, our partners are going to feel anxious, our neighbors are going to feel anxious, our friends. This is part of life. So let's cement that into our brains and understand 
If you don't feel uncomfortable, something is wrong. And I'm actually more concerned about my non-anxious patients than the ones who are anxious, to be perfectly sure. true. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, they're usually either, either have an alcohol problem or they're deeply narcissistic or like something's neurologically very wrong, but it huh? is not a good sign. I'd right. much, much rather be dealing with anxiety, which I do most of the time. Okay, yeah. so that's one. Now comes the art of using our anxiety to thrive in positive ways. Mm-hmm. The Perinatal Podcast is supported by Mom and Dad, makers of exceedingly comfortable and stylish pumping, nursing, and maternity bras. Specially designed clips and straps allow for easy access to feed your little one. The design is specified to support the extra weight and increased size of your chest as milk starts to build. And the beautiful fabrics and colors are created to help you feel sexy and current. Go to Mominda underscore bras on Instagram, us.mominda.cc for my listeners in the States, and shop.mominda.cc for my international listeners. Use code PERINATAL for 10% off your entire order of $40 or more. This episode of the Perinatal Podcast is supported by Needed, optimal nutrition for mamas before, during, and after pregnancy. My current favorites are stress support with adaptogenic and nervine botanicals selected and dosed to balance and uplift me, immune support because no matter the time of year, my children bring home all kinds of germs from school, and collagen protein, which helps support joints, pelvic floor tissue, skin elasticity, and hair and nail strength. Use code PERINATALPODCAST for 20% off one-time purchase orders or for the first three months of our one-month subscription option. And this is where I think the opportunity of anxiety um, lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that, that's uh, that's what I was going to say. I was wondering about like, I don't know. I just, I'm going back to the normalization piece of it, right? Like it's okay to be upset, concerned. And I actually just had a person on who um, was talking about like sobriety and the, the urge to numb out or the, even the sure. increase societally for 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 many parents but like the mommy wine culture specifically and yes. how if you're feeling these ex- ex- things the best thing to do is to numb out and instead of sitting with that tension and finding a way of course obviously I'm biased because I'm a therapist but to get therapy to work through it to find a way to deal with it it's just well numb out sh- sh- keep going be a super mo- super woman super mom keep figuring it out and and use the out use the wine to get through yeah, it usually catches up with almost, it actually always catches up with people to take that approach that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, I mean, everyone has to have their, everyone's got their vices and everyone's got, has to have their ways of like de-stressing and de, you know, relaxing, but typically a more appropriate, appropriate, more functional, healthy way of dealing with anxiety is to actually think about like, why was I feeling so stressed today? Like, what is going on? And here's a here's one. Try this one on for size. Talk to your partner. Talk to a friend about what's on your mind, as opposed to drinking it away. You know, talk to a therapist. Like actually have that deep conversation. Usually, when people have those conversations, it opens up a connection with that person that they never would have had. Mm. Right? Who are you closest to? I bet you it's the people who you've cried on their shoulder or you know opened up to about whatever. Well, it is. I vulnerability really is I think mm-hmm. the thing that opens us up to to the closest connection and I literally have started saying even to my husband to say like I need to come to you in a really vulnerable space and have this discussion about something awesome. and in those moments I feel are the ones where we 
I mean, nothing is ever perfect. And, oh, we had this conversation one time and everything's magically better. But right. where I feel like there's been a, a real pivot point, at least um, in the right direction, because I've been able to express like, I'm not going to drink this away with some red wine or pretend it's not happening or, and build my resentment. I want to set a boundary and be vulnerable or express it and, um, and be able to work through it. And you're right. And that's when you feel the most connected is when you're able to be your most authentic self. Almost always. Almost, almost always. always. Yes. <laughs> Very yeah, rarely is any one thing, all one thing. I say that all the time too. Like not a lot of always and nevers, but. I mean, but it does uh, assume that one's partner is willing to actually right. go there as well and catch you, you know, when you show that vulnerability, but, uh -huh. you know, hopefully, and usually that's the case. I mean, if you're in a loving relationship and you actually care about each other, you know, getting those defenses up, we call it the fight or flight system for a reason. It often comes from anxiety and people get their defenses up and they're fighting and they're arguing or they're saying like, I, you know, I don't need you. It's just that you're an idiot because you did X, Y, and Z as opposed to like, hey, I'm really having a hard time right now and I could really use some help. Yes. Play that card. It, it, it means leaning into the anxiety because uh -huh. um, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now, but I need that help that is usually the ticket to having greater emotional intimacy mm -hmm. connection um, and enhancing our relationships. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting to you. You were mentioning like asking for help. I have a lot of clients and, and personal acquaintances and friends as well. Like we've been raised, you know, our, our Oregon trail millennials, especially raised of like girl power, you can do anything, reach for the stars, all of that. And so we were taught like achieve, achieve, achieve. And so I see a lot of people having trouble asking for help because in that way, it implies that you are not the perfect mother, not knowing what you're supposed to do, not having it all together. And it's okay, but I don't think people understand that that you can grant yourself that permission. I love the way you're saying it right now. Firstly, I'm all about girl power. I've got two girls myself and you know, definitely want to empower them and you know, see them doing great things. Yes. Um, with that said, when it comes to emotional connection, there's a very different skill. It's like a different gear in your gearbox, you know, mm -hmm. like gears three and four where you're on the highway and you're like, you know, getting your, getting your engines revved and you're moving and grooving showing that vulnerability isn't necessarily a good thing. Like if you're in the office, like you want to take charge, do what you got to do, like be on time, get things done. And like, that's a great set of skills to be able to do, but there's also these lower gears, mm -hmm. you know, there's gear one and then there's gear two. And then there's these other um, positions that we, that beget a greater emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Anxiety helps us to get into those years mm -hmm. by slowing things down and by saying hey i really don't have everything figured out mm -hmm. i actually do need help right now i want to connect with you because that's going to i don't want to be alone and those are very different than like i got this you know the very right. case right and it is it's been interesting and it Many people said where when we record at the time of recording it's kind of the winter holidays are upon yes. some of us and um, a lot of um, either default caregivers, birthing people, maybe one and the same are often in charge of creating the magic of the holiday in a number of ways. And, um, and this is, this is applicable 365, but I think it's even more so around the times of, you know, birthdays and other special events. Yeah. And, and so people ask for help and sometimes finally get to the space and then they find that it's not being met the way that they want. And like, I, I 
trying then to help people to understand like how do we temper our expectations in a way that's not letting yourself down, but also not being, I don't trying to think of how to say like having your expectations be met, but also feeling like you can ask in a way that's meaningful and direct, but not having to be in charge of the list all the time. I don't know how I'm trying to say this. Like, I think what you're saying is that a lot of holiday stress can mount at this time of year. And yeah, that's why I'm not being able to complete a sentence right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And uh, yeah, the lists get really intense and the expectations get really high. And there's this sort of uh, requirement to like, you know, be the mom, be the running the house and making everything, you know, great um, and have these you know, magical memories of the holidays that you're, you know, creating. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that, when it piles up, can be intense, but that can be used, I believe, to connect more. Mm -hmm. If it comes to like, hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now and I could use some time together, you know, I need a bit of a break from this. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I need some help with this, that, and the other. And, you know, those can be leaning into the anxiety and like being aware of it, being aware of one's stress and then using it to create connection. I think that's where the opportunity is. Mm. You being aware of the anxiety and the stress and using it to create connection. I, I mean, I just really liked, I like the idea of that. And, and again, coming back to that being intentional piece, like mm. I'm not just floating through, I'm not just, fig, you know, figuring out as I go by, but not asking for help. I'm I'm saying like, I'm not okay. And here's how I can get help or I am okay in this way, but not in that way. And yeah. 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 Um, so tell me about thriving with anxiety. What kind of, what does led you to be like, I got to put this into a book, your experiences. What is that? What was that like for you? Okay. So I've come to, I'll tell you what happened. You know, during the pandemic, I saw something really interesting. We were had 500 or 600 active patients at center for anxiety at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was really concerned. I was like panicking. Like, what's going to be with all these people under my care and under the care of my staff? And what was pretty amazing was that the patients who were in care before the pandemic started, January, February, beginning of March, 2020, they actually did fine. They did fine. Wow. Yes. They, they did not have that bump of anxiety in April, May. In fact, just today, I got the uh, notification that uh, the journal plus one is going to be accepting our, uh, our, uh, yeah, literally today. I got that in my inbox. That's yeah, huge. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited about it. So forthcoming wow. science right here yes. on the perinatal Cod podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyhow, uh, the individuals who struggled the most were those who had never had anxiety beforehand. They had never had treatment beforehand because they're oh. like, what is this? Something must be wrong with sure. me. And I don't have the skills to deal with this. So that's when it's like all the way yes. up. But if people had it beforehand, they're like, oh, this is not that different than what I've had in the past. They didn't have that bump in April and May of 2020. Fascinating. And you know what? It makes sense. It does. It makes sense. Like, well, yeah. yes, if I've had this before, this is new, it's on a different level. And also here's what I know how, has helped me in the past. Versus, yeah, like, this is all foreign to me. Correct. How do I navigate? Yeah. So in that regards, anxiety can actually be a blessing because it can help us to 
build our resilience. It can help us to build our relationships. It can help us to, you know, understand that anxiety is part and parcel of the human experience and not judge ourselves for that. And once we get those messages in place, we can actually use it in very constructive ways. And that's what the book is about, how to use the anxiety in a positive way mm -hmm. instead of running from it. Yeah. That's so great. Um, do you have any uh, any sort of activities or in the book? What does it kind of help people as they're reading? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> so each chapter, nine chapters, nine skills and each or nine tools. And each chapter has a combination of like explaining what the concept is with cases that we dealt with <laughs> and um, writing up uh, cases. So it, you know, each one will have like two or three or four different stories of different patients who came to our office. Mm -hmm. um, plus the core concept. And then each one ends with a practical skill for how to use your anxiety in a constructive way. Mm. But I'm done like running from anxiety and I'm done trying to tell people, yeah, we're going to get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. Like change your relationship with it, learn how to use it in a positive um, way in your life. And that's what the book is about. Yeah. Well, again, I just, I, we just have been programmed, I guess, to understand that negative emotion is, I mean, negative. So that's, there I am even saying it, like emotions yeah. that are not cheerful. <laughs> yeah. That are not under the cheerful umbrella are to be avoided, run from, suppressed, ignored. And I mean, they're there for a reason and they can be helpful if we're paying attention. A hundred percent. And they are unpleasant, by the way. I'm not saying that anxiety is fun. Like, oh, sure. No one likes to feel anxious, myself included. It is not fun. It is uh, uncomfortable. Sometimes it's painful. It is no one's saying it's it's uh, it's joy. I'm not confusing this and I'm not mislabeling it either. This is but therein lies the opportunity in anxiety. The fact that it's a struggle, um, I think, is exactly what makes it possible to use it to become vulnerable, to parlay that into resilience. You can't build resilience without resistance. It's just mm -hmm. the way it is. It's, it's math. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like, I'm thinking again about like you were talking about the people who were experiencing anxiety and seeking treatment for it before the pandemic and how they were able to coast through that. Or like, excuse me, not coast. No, yeah. uh, well, they, they, they didn't coast, but they definitely didn't have like a massive. Yeah. You, they were able to utilize the skills that they had already started to build upon to Correct. use those as they went through. I absolutely misspoke there by saying coast as though anyone goes through their mental health. But I'm thinking the same thing about perinatal mental health, right? So if you're acknowledging and recognizing any sort of history that you have with anxiety, which we all do to what various levels. And if you're trying to work through that, then you can, might be able to get on a space where you're able to work through that during trying to conceive. If you have fertility struggles during yeah. the actual pregnancy, if you've had, and one of the big things that I see in a lot of my community is um, pregnancy after loss and the anxiety that comes pregnancy with loss. that. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the I'm pregnant again and I'm taking three tests a day to make sure that the line yeah. is staying dark or um, just in general, all of those concerns about pregnancy after loss and, and, potential subsequent losses. And then of course, like we were talking about trying not to break an infant. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, yeah. A couple things there, you know, I've definitely had my share of patients who like female patients who I saw in their late teens, you know, early twenties, um, mid twenties, um, who really had to work through some intense anxiety and we used exposure therapy, you know, about exposure therapy, yes, sure. um, where they're facing their fears head on and it's really intense. Um, but they're building a lot of resilience and leaning into that fear, leading into their anxiety with, mm -hmm. you know, very, very substantially uh, during treatment. And 
when it came time later on in life to um, start a family, they were some of the calmest moms around mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, I built this muscle. Like I went through this yes. challenge. I voluntarily faced my biggest fears and understood that anxiety is not going to kill me. I can have high levels. It's like, it's kind of like, uh, I'm going to go back to marathon running. Like the people I know who run competitively, who trained in high school, they're a lot more able to do it just because they know like their body's like, oh, I can push really hard here and it's actually going to be okay. Mm. It's yes. like a muscle, right? Like it's not going to kill me. Like, but if you didn't do that when you were younger, if you haven't had that experience, it's like, oh my God, what's going on here? This is this is not how it should be. Yes. When that's not true. It's actually, yes. you know, just increasing your lactate threshold just really is painful. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Yes. Yeah, no, it's going to hurt because that's what you're doing is tearing down that muscle and rebuilding it in yeah. ways that are going to be more meaningful. And um, yeah, I like that idea too, though, the more that you, I mean, it, it, I agree with that in everything, obviously physical movement, marathon training, but mentally as well, you're building that skill, you're building that muscle, you know, that you can get through it because you've done it before, um, instead of just ignoring it and kind of white knuckling your way through it. Right. Yeah. And that is interesting too, because like I said about, you know, the trying to conceive and fertility concerns and all of those things, it's the anxiety that you sit with does not help your pregnancy become any more viable. And so finding ways to help yourself get through that, um, through connection, through, you know, therapy, obviously again, I'm biased because I'm a therapist, but, um, but being able to utilize those skills and, um, resources that might be available to you so that you are feeling your best throughout that time as well. Yeah. You know, there's another piece there, especially I think when it comes to pregnancy and pregnancy loss and which is the the inherent uncertainty and uncontrollability of the pregnancy process and the birthing process and the health of children. I mean, these are, these are matters which are very difficult to have a direct human influence over. Yes. And I think that it's normal for people to have anxiety when they don't have that level of control or that level of I was just saying, you've been talking about control since we started talking. And that's exactly why we have anxiety in a number of ways, because we can't control. Correct. But, you know, what, what, what the difference between somebody, put it this way, I'll take a very sort of simple analogy. Somebody who sits on a plane and has a phobia versus somebody who sits on a plane and they're like, okay, whatever. They're able to be like, I'm not in control here. The latter person is able to be like, okay, I'm not in control of where the plane goes, where, you know, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm not going to calculate it. I'm just sort of like, that's, you know, that's for the pilot beyond the the armored flight deck. And like, that's not my place. Like I'm here. And that's, I think, always something I think about when I get onto a plane, like how much control do I pretend or think that I have when I'm not on a plane? Like what I hear, I actually know. Like I'm not going to fly a plane. Yeah. That's interesting, right? Like <laughs> where I I know that I don't have any control there, but I like to pretend like I have control other places where Outside, I really like, don't. Fascinating. In the, in the terminal, I was like, I would I got this. Like I, I'm here. And like yeah. in reality, I don't. <laughs> in reality, we never really are fully in control of anything. Um, and in some ways, that's what the that's part of the magic of having kids is like you're sort of learn to become more surrendered. Yes. to 
yes to that process which is a which is an important life lesson do you feel like obviously in your own personal experience with six children, but also in your professional experience, do you feel like that kind of the anxiety starts to come down some? Is it very individualized? Like as you have more children or does it, does it change and shift based on like, well, now what do I do? Because I have three kids and how do I get them all in the car at the same time? Like what has been your experience with that? Great question. Okay. So, so many years ago, I'll tell you a story. Many years ago, my wife and I went to this family, like they invited us over for dinner, for lunch or whatever it was. So we went and I think we had two kids at the time and we saw like they had like eight kids or something like that. And she was holding a newborn who had just been born six weeks earlier. So I looked her in the eye and I said, you're insane. Why am I at your house? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Like, what was she thinking having us over? And she's like, oh, you don't understand. Once you had like six or seven, you're just like, okay. Like who cares? A couple more. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is, you're a unique creature. Um, but yeah. she really was chilled. She was yeah. not uptight and things were not perfect. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, immaculately done. Like it, this wasn't like a, you know, a, a state affair in any way. Mm-hmm. This was a very just chilled out um, meal that we had with them. Very lovely meal. Yes. Um, and, uh, I think that often parents of one or two, maybe even three kids are like, how do you do that? But it actually does get easier. I'm not saying everyone should go out and, you know, end up with grand multi, you know, families, like that's a lot, like I get it. And, you know, mine certainly pushes the limits of what can fit into a minivan. (laughs) Right. Right. I like that though. If you can take that energy of like, take the energy of having eight children, I have two and I'm all set on that number, but also mm-hmm. being like, but you've come to see me. You've come to spend time with me. You don't necessarily care about my house unless I'm Martha Stewart, in which case, yeah, you probably are coming to look at the house, but also I have people who can yeah. come and get ready for you, but you're not coming to look at my house. You're not coming, you're coming to eat edible food, but you're not necessarily here to see my award-winning dishes, but we're here to spend time. And I wish that people could get to a space where they could I like to use the expression like unclench, like, 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 right. Like I just let's unclench. Let's just live life on life's terms that it's chaotic and messy and that perfection doesn't exist, but yet we continue to search for it. We continue to seek it and really trying to step like internalize stepping that back. It's not going to happen. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the chaos of 14 children. Yeah. Yeah. 14 is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All a lot. (laughs) Yes, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. But my, you know, point point taken of embracing the chaos, at least. And uh, and I do think that um, it actually does get easier over time. And I will I will say that my personal experience and my wife has said this, too, um, that it does it does get easier over time to a point. I mean, that at, you know, at a certain point, things do catch up with you and everyone has to know they're online. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I actually do think that, um, three and four in some regards is easier than one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I just, I appreciate you so much for coming in and chatting with everybody. I really, again, normalizing mental health, normalizing anxiety is something that the, this is what the show is really about is to help people to feel supported and connected, even if it's in a virtual way, just by listening to our voices and for having somebody with such an expert situation in anxiety it's really helpful to have that voice thanks so much a real honor and pleasure great conversation yeah. and, uh, it'll be in the show notes of course but where can everybody find you oh yeah my website in fact i have a free giveaway 
We have oh, a 12 wonderful. page. Yeah, we have a 12 page guide, which is based on my book, Thriving with Anxiety, which is free. Anybody can have it, take it. Um, D-H-R-O-S-M-A-R-I-N.com, D-H-R-O-S-M-A-R-I-N.com. Um, yeah, so check it out. A lot of people have been, we've had like nearly 10,000 downloads. So that's pretty cool. So it's been trending. It's kind of nice. Amazing. And a lot yeah. of people reaching out. So sending emails, sending uh, text messages about, uh, you know, what they, what they like about it, what they think we should change. So uh, we love to hear from like my marketing team, my whole team loves to hear from, um, folks who are engaging with the thriving with anxiety material. So definitely, um, reach out and I'm um, happy to connect. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for the time. I'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes because I'd love for everybody to run over there and grab that uh, sure. PDF and kind of get the opportunity to scroll through it and learn from it. Um, so thank you again for being here and everyone else be curious, not judgmental. See you next time. If spending time with the perinatal podcast is something you value and enjoy, it would mean so much if you could write a review of the show on your app and don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification when new content is posted. Take a moment to leave a five-star rating too. Fresh content is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your content, and you tuning in to every episode is what helps keep us going. Follow me at Amplify Wellness with Meg on Instagram, and you can find more content by searching the hashtag, The Perinatal Podcast. Our show is executive produced by David Presley and produced by Meg Duke. Our theme song was written and performed by Antoine McDuffie.